everyone. Welcome to In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. This is a show where we will discuss the latest updates, weekly opinions, and also ask open-ended questions for the listeners of IPR and Competition Law. Before we begin, we'd like to introduce ourselves. I'm Ishita Borua. And I'm Aditya Trivedi. Law student of National Law University and Judicial Academy, Assam. Hi everyone. It's very nice to welcome you all to our very first episode of In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law, which is our podcast. And today we will discuss about the introduction, introduction to intellectual property rights and competition law. So the main objective behind releasing this podcast was to spread awareness regarding the laws which we are dealing with, that is IPR and competition law, as well as to invite guests who are working in the particular practice area in the law firms, or maybe they are researching in some organizations or they are scholars or maybe university professors so that all of us can together learn and grow. Aditya, I'd like to ask you some relevant questions regarding competition law. Sure. Shall I go ahead? go ahead? Please. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, Aditya, can you please tell me what this competition law is all about? Sure, Ishita. When we hear the word competition law, we are stuck on the very particular word that is competition. Since childhood, we all have heard the word competition when we hear about school competitions, prizes and everything related to it. So, never to confuse that with this particular area of law, but a similarity can be drawn. Like we have competition among the students to win a particular competition or to get a prize, such kind of competitions are also there in the market. And since India is a mixed economy, that is, the government is not the sole proprietor or sole regulator of the economy and neither the private sector is the sole regulator or we are a mixed economy as we know that it's a mix of that the private sector has also a role to play as well as the government is also playing its part as well as regulating. So competition laws or antitrust laws were enacted to ensure that all businesses, all businesses, I repeat, all businesses, including private sector as well as public sector, operate in a fair manner. And we have a regulator for competition law that is Competition Commission of India. And the motto of Competition Commission of India is also fair competition for for greater good. And the goal is to achieve a level playing field for all the competitors. And it is to promote competition, but on the other hand, prevent the restrictive trade practices or anti-competitive agreements or abuse of dominant position. Okay. That's a very good introduction. Now, I would like to ask you another question. What do competition laws prohibit? Can you please explain us? 
Definitely, Shita. This is a very interesting question. Recently, we all have heard about the Facebook case, isn't it, Shita? Yes, absolutely. Yes, we all use Facebook as a primary social media platform. But what we all do not know that Facebook is a relevant player in the relevant market of social media, and it has acquired WhatsApp, Facebook. Uh, Facebook has also acquired WhatsApp, Instagram, so that the, the company, the parent company, Facebook, can earn revenue. But on the other hand, we have data privacy concerns as well as Facebook is using our data to give advertisements. We all must have heard about Facebook ads or Facebook ads company, or they have different departments to deal with. So competition laws prohibit such anti-competitive agreements. when you are restricting another company or trader or competitor from dealing with certain things then it is against competition laws here if facebook is entering into agreement with businesses to sell the data of a particular consumer say if they sell the data of whatever aditya or ishita has done since 2013 or what are our preferences then the e-commerce website so maybe Certain online companies they will show us the particular data and earn money. So this is against the competition laws. And also, Facebook is a dominant enterprise in the relevant market of social media. So when we hear Facebook, I am giving the example of Facebook because it is very much relatable. So then, if it's uh, a dominating uh, or if it's abusing its dominant position, then it is restricted under competition law. so we are in competition law or we as competition lawyers we want to promote competition in the economy this is the goal ishita okay so another very interesting question is popping up in my mind can you tell me how did competition law make their way into india sure ishita so competition law is a very niche part of the law very niche area we hear very less people who are into competition law it is a growing field as well as it's a growing jurisprudence the competition act was itself passed in 2002 and enacted on enacted in 2000 on 13th of january 2003 so earlier before competition act was there we had one mrtp act that is monopolies and restrictive trade practices act of 1969 so the goal of monopolies and restrictive trade practices act was to prevent monopolies and to prevent restrictive trade practices now the difference between mrtp act and competition act is that that the mrtp act was the goal was to prevent something like preventing monopolies after that particular monopoly Uh, was created then the act provided for certain provisions that yes you should pro- you should prevent this uh, monopoly or you should prevent unrestricted trade practices but when we talk about competition act 2002 then the provisions are so much stricter the penalty is so high that the company will think twice before creating a monopoly or before indulging into anti competitive practices so this is a more progressive law 
this law also prohibits cartels collusion price fixing etc which we will talk about in our next sessions and uh, this act is very much effective very much effective okay thank you so much aditya can you also tell me and the listeners like what are the framework of competition laws in india definitely competition laws in india is governed by as i already told governed by competition act of 2002 and the act establishes the competition commission of india which is the principal agency to regulate competition laws in india then we have a chairperson of competition commission then we have the members and the chairperson along with the members adjudicate upon the matters related to competition law then we have one director general of competition commission which uh, who has the responsibility to investigate into cases for example we have recently heard about the supreme court judgment supreme court bench chaired by honorable chief justice of india and we ramanna uh, honorable justice told companies like amazon and flipkart that you should not uh, shy away from uh, letting the commission inquire into the uh, breaches of provisions of section 3 and section 4 so it is the responsibility of director general dg of competition law to uh, to do such inquiries with respect to that the particular company whether amazon has uh, breached competition law or not so this is the law this is the role of competition commission and then we have then this the appeal of competition commission then then it goes to nclad that is national company law appeal at tribunal and then after that the appeal goes to supreme court till now only very limited cases a couple of cases uh, went to supreme court and heard by supreme court also we will discuss that in later podcast Okay, I have so many questions popping up right now. Can you please tell me also the objective of Com- Competition Act? Yes, yes. And also, and along with, I also want to know what are the anti-competitive agreements that we should know about. Yes, Ishita, I will definitely tell you, but I will be keeping this short as I have already told you a lot of objectives. So the three objectives of competition law. the first is to prevent anti competitive agreements and section 3 of the act deal with this second is to prevent abuse of dominant position there for example if you have a topper in your class then ishita would you want him to top again and again by acquiring all the resources and also getting a exclusive access to the teachers resources also and not letting the other students uh, the resources access do you obviously, want that obviously no that would be like abuse of powers I, i think everyone should get equal opportunities i think with the resources yes ishita so that is the objective of competition law so that we can give access to all and we can provide a level playing field so uh, along with preventing anti competitive agreements and uh, preventing abuse of dominant position the commission also regulates combinations that is mergers demergers etc and this mergers by competition commission deal with mergers so that that particular mergers acquisitions or amalgamations do not have a appreciable adverse effect on competition 
so this double aec aec appreciable adverse effect on competition is an altogether a very important concept as a foundation of competition law we will deal with that but for now let us understand that that particular merger should not harm the economy for example if there is a for example in telecom industry as we see ishita you would be knowing that we have only three private players right now like we have airtel we have jio and we have vi right absolutely yes then because moda vodafone and idea merged the merger took place so it it killed one competitor because earlier vodafone and idea were competitors but now they are merged they have merged into one entity that is vi i am personally using vi so i would tell that the vi uh, is a merged entity now so it has killed the competition of a competitor or potential competitor and now we have airtel jio and vi so if we merge airtel and jio then it will be the kill it will be killing competition so that is very much prohibited in the act as there are only three private players so these are some objectives and with respect to your question related to what are anti competitive agreements then in section 3 the definition of anti competitive agreements or the list of anti competitive agreements is given that is if you are creating a barrier to new entrants in the market then you are entering into anti competitive agreement or driving existing competitors out of the market or foreclosure of competition by hindering entry into the market or accrual of benefits to the consumers or improvements in production or distribution of goods or provision of services or promotion of technical scientific and economic development by means of production or distribution of goods and or or provision of services so these are some anti competitive agreements some may have positive effect on the economy some may have negative effect also uh okay all right aditya i have another question uh do mergers need permission of competition commission of india and can you tell me like why right ishita this is an obvious question because uh, when we saw the deal of the merger of facebook and jio a very relevant deal or a deal which Uh, which was done between two big corporate houses that is ambani and mark zuckerberg it was very much anticipated but uh, this uh, the uh, the deal the merger was approved by competition commission within 25 days so why particular merger or amalgamation or acquisition needs permission of competition commission section 5 and section 6 regulates combinations and why it is necessary so that we do not harm the economy we do not have negative effect on the economy because if like i told you if all the companies in the telecom sector that is vi or airtel or jio if all of them merge into one entity then there will be no competitor and ishita if there are no competitors then there is no obligation upon a, a trader or a an enterprise to improve right if there is only one topper in the class then he or she thinks that nobody else can top the class so uh, he or she does not improve upon herself as well as uh, the other students don't get a chance to be a topper so this is the simple thing so section 
covers a lot of categories of combinations who should notify the commission so there are form 1 and form 2 and in exceptional cases form 3 as well so there are some there is some drafting which needs to be done by competition lawyers and then such permissions are sought uh, with the commission ishita i think i have uh, crossed my time or maybe i have told you enough about introduction to competition law isn't it yes yes thank you so much for like covering so many topics on competition law i mean like thank you so much for your time now aditya like even i would like to tell you about intellectual property rights but you know Definitely. what yeah but you know what i usually begin my conversation with questions so why don't you ask me questions now and i would like to answer them Definitely Shita I am very much excited to hear your part of intellectual property rights and your audience let me tell you that she is well versed with the laws because she has studied it and she is still studying it and we say that we are students of law we practice law we never say that we are experts right Shita No no I will never say that I'm expert I'm still learning and I would say that knowledge is infinite and I, and I have a long way to go I mean like I have to learn more things I, no yes. one I mean like I won't say myself I'm an expert or anything I just say that I'm a student and I'm still learning and I have a lot to learn I'm still in the learning stage Definitely I will say the same So taking inspiration from this let us start the part of intellectual property rights ishita can you please tell me how the idea of intellectual property rights came into existence okay aditya do you know that the concept of intellectual property rights goes back to ancient times authors used to complain about theft of their work in greek and roman times the potters the potters mark were recognized more than 2000 years ago in Rome as distinguished marks of the producer legal protection for intellectual property goes back to the middle ages in the 15th century venice considered a law protecting patents then in 1449 a patent was granted for the glass making process in england after the invention of printing with movable typefaces by Gutenberg many countries in Europe including England introduced legal restrictions on printing which led to the emergence of modern copyright legislations it was the statute of n in 1709 which was also and it was known as the mother of all copyright laws in modern jurisprudence the emergence of international Harmonized laws on intellectual property rights can be traced to the Paris Convention for the Protection of Industrial Property and the Berne Convention for the Protection of Literary and Artistic Works of 1886. I hope like the historical perspective of your question was answered in a satisfactory way. Yes, Ishita, and I was very much surprised to know that Uh, this was the origin and uh, of the existence of intellectual property rights i thought that this was very much obvious to human beings that we should copyright or trademark our particular uh, enterprises or our our very much own innovations but yes it was very much interesting to know about the history now ishita uh, can you tell me 
about the laws in India which are related to intellectual property? Yes, I would like to tell you that intellectual property is a law, and under it, it has many, and under it, it has many umbrella acts. Okay, there is right. this trademarks, this this trademarks act, the patents act, the copyrights and related rights act, industrial designs act, geographical indications, layout designs of integrated circuits, plan varieties, information technology, and cyber crimes and data protection. Thank you, Ishita. Can you tell us a brief about each of the acts? Like, what is a trademark? Why protection is necessary? What are patents, copyright designs, GI? Then we will uh, look towards uh, the conclusion of the podcast. Okay. So you know what? When you start a company, or for example. uh let us take one company for example bata okay uh bata and suppose gucci okay so how do you exactly differentiate between the two of the brands the two of the brands are actually being you know distinguished by their trademark like you have seen bata's trademark right and the gucci's trademark they right. are distinguished you have seen yeah. the logos we have exactly. seen the brand names exactly so trademarks are used to distinguish between two companies and then i would like to you know like um, i would like to then go forward towards the geographical indications um for example like uh, i do you do you know about the assam's gamusa the yes uh, yeah exactly the shawl the shawl kind of thing that we use yes. so yeah exactly you, do you know that the geographical indication of the assam's gamusa was you know uh, given to it on, only in 2019 before that you know it it had been you know like illegally i would like to use the word you know like illegally was produced here and there uh, throughout india and you know the profit which assam should have gotten from the production of um from the production of uh, gamusa it was being give, the uh, the profit was given to the other states so geographical indication when assam got it for the gamusa silk now legally it can only and only be produced in assam and all the profits if it is being sold it can only be sold through assam to other states and through that assam can get the profit through geographical indication same with the pashmina pashmina shawl the pashmina shawl of kashmir it's only been produced in kashmir only and not illegally in other states so the profit that the pashmina shawl gets goes back to its state so this is the reason also why we need geographical indications right ishita i'm very much thrilled to know about the foundation principles of the uh, laying down of these acts uh, mainly trademarks copyright and geographical indications now can you answer one particular question because when we are law students we all uh, uh, want to know some landmark cases with respect to that law so can you tell any landmark case or cases that the listeners or beginners should know 
yes one of the most interesting international ipr case uh, that everyone should know is the authors guild versus google inc well before i begin i would like to ask like don't we all in our day to day life search google books and read snippets of the book in google books search engine's library aditya do you do that yes, before buying I, a book i uh, before I buying do a that, book i will i will i will accept that i do that okay so like now i'd like to begin the case so in 2004 google entered into agreements with leading research libraries to make digital copies of books and other writings in their collections since then google has scanned more than 12 million books from this library library's collections so the plaintiffs who were the authors of the published books under copyright sued google inc the defendant for copyright infringement in the united states district court for the southern district of new york through its library project and its google books project acting without permission of rights holders google has made digital copies of tens of millions of books well that is a violation of copyright act here but again including plaintiffs that were submitted to it for that purpose by major libraries Google has scanned the digital copies and established a publicly available search functions. This was alleged to constitute infringement of plaintiff's copyrights. Plaintiffs sought injunctive and declaratory relief as well as damages. Well, for uh, the plaintiff they, fa- they they felt that it was a violation of copyright uh, copyright act in for for them. Google defended on the ground that its actions constitute fair use which under 17 USC and 107 act is not an infringement the district court agreed thus the plaintiff appealed but the main issue of the whole case was did the defendant's actions constitute infringement of plaintiff's copyrights well uh the court contended no because the court held that defendants unauthorized digitize digitizing of copyright protected works creation of a search functionally and display of snippets from those works were non infringing fair uses under 17 us cs and 107 because the purpose of the copying was highly transformative the public display of text was limited and the re- revelations did not prove a significant market substitute for the protected aspects of the originals and defendants commercial nature and profit motivation did not justify denial of fair use moreover the court posited that defendants provision of digitized copies to the libraries that supplied the books on the understanding that the libraries would use the copies in a manner consistent with the copyright law also did not constitute infringement nor was defendant a contributory infringer so i'd like to ask the listeners now do you think the contention of the court was justified well i'd like to end the whole case in this manner by asking the last question aditya thank you so much ishita 
and i would like to appeal to the listeners the audience to please focus on this particular question that do you think the contention of the court was justified you can read more about this case and then please get back to us through our instagram handles as well as on our personal handles or maybe we will be launching our linkedin page soon so thank you everyone for listening to our very first episode of this podcast that is candid conversations with ipr and competition law so we will be releasing these these podcasts every week on saturdays we will be releasing the news updates of ipr as well as competition law and on sundays we will be having talk shows the talk shows may be between me and ishita or we will be inviting certain guests who are ip attorneys competition lawyers or scholars so the end product is that you all will get benefit and we all will learn together the nuances of ipr and competition law thank you everyone thank you aditya 